Well, the RBNZ has indicated there could be an interest rate rise as soon as next year, which has bolstered the Kiwi dollar, and it really hasn't come back down to earth yet. But things are a little bit more guided in Europe, though, where the ECB mentions at every turn that tapering won't happen soon, let alone a rate rise. But can two central banks really pursue such different paths when the push comes to shove? Some GDP partials for Australia today with private capex numbers out. And Victoria, will it be in lockdown by the weekend? It's Thursday, the 27th of May, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, US stocks were down a little yesterday, so it follows, of course, that today they are up. We've got a 0.6% rise in the Nasdaq, 0.2% for the S&P. The Dow is flat, as are most European indices. Treasury yields that were down yesterday are up a couple of basis points. Well, they are for 10 years anyway, but yields continue to fall in Europe, three or four basis points down in most countries. 10-year gilt yields, for example, that were up as high as 0.9% in mid-May are now down 15 basis points below that. And the US dollar that's been on the slide since Friday is actually up the, this morning, rising half a percent on the DXY, back over 90 again. A lot of that is the euro, which is down half a percent. The Canadian dollar down 0.4 percent. The pound losing a quarter percent. The Aussie, though, not really impacted too much by any of this. And the US dollar breaking below 6.4 Chinese yuan, back to 2018 levels. So Rodrigo Catrill is senior FX strategist at NAB in Sydney. Uh, if you look at stocks, first of all, the ones that are doing well in the United States, Rodrigo, I mean, it's the Russell 2000, it's the banks, Transport Ford, for example, is up almost nine percent this morning. So it's the cyclicals. I mean, we include banks in cyclicals. I think we can do that, can't we? Yeah, but, but it's also the tech sector staying up as well, though, isn't it? Yes, morning, Phil. Yes, so I suppose the cyclicals is, is favoured by the fact that the economy is struggling well, and we're seeing this reopening, and and the vaccine this, uh, program is going really well too. Uh, but at the yeah. same time, we're not seeing yields rising, so that that favours the tech sector, the growth side of of, 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 the, mm. of the the equity market. So, it's all good news, if you like, in in terms of uh, the dynamics, uh, economic dynamics favouring uh, the backdrop for for equity markets. And look on the vaccine, so the FT vaccine tracker, which is actually a good gauge of how everyone is doing in terms of the number of doses so the two dose count which i think is you know the, the more telling one uh just to show how well uh the u.s is doing 40 percent of the u.s population now is fully vaccinated had the two jabs compared to only 34 percent in the uk and only 15 percent in germany so it really does show doesn't it that difference between what's happening uh, on both sides of the atlantic yes it's, it's quite telling and and i suppose the, the the other kind of important dynamic that needs to be put into the mix there is, is what happens when, when you actually get close to that herd immunity level, the 80%. And uh, there's a little bit of concerns that as mm. much as uh, the US is struggling really well in terms of the stats, um, we've got to remember that 20% of the population is under the age of 18. Um, so there's a concern that maybe yeah. maybe it, they will struggle to, to continue at this pace as, as you get closer to that 70-80% uh, mark. And, and of course, as you mentioned, it's a similar story in Europe as to you know um, whether the appetite for the vaccination will remain at the current pace as you get closer to, to those herd immunity levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas in the UK, it seems that everyone is keen. Uh, perhaps because they've had it so bad. Uh, 2% in Australia, <laughs> and the two doses currently. A uh, <laughs> long way to go. Look, uh, the RBNZ yesterday surprised everyone, didn't they? Indicating that the cash rate may rise in the second half of 2022. And look what it did to the Kiwi dollar, shooting up uh, 0.8% and uh, basically sticking there. So the Aussie now buys uh, 1.06 Kiwi dollars, which is the, uh, the, the, uh, the lowest since early February, basically. Yes. Uh, so I suppose the, the, the interesting thing about the RBNZ yesterday is that 
we were, we expected an improvement in terms of the outlook given how well the economy is going and also the global economic backdrop has improved. Um, but the, the surprise was the, the reintroduction of this OCR track or the overnight cash rate uh, track. Um, that the um, you know, governor or was at pains to emphasize is not really a guidance, but of course it is. I mean, it's a, it's a chart that shows you what, where they think the cash rate is going to be. So I don't know what else you want to call that. But uh, the important thing is that not only was it reintroduced, but it also showed that there's an expectation for the cash rate to, to start rising uh, sometime in the second half of next year. Uh, and with an accumulative um, uh, increase in rate hikes until 1.78 by June 2024. So it's a decent sort of rise in the in the cash rate, uh, which is certainly a, a bit sooner than many had expected. Um, but not not that sooner when you, once you start looking at the dynamics of the labor market and you start, you see that the level of inflation that uh, New Zealand is uh, currently having. So um, it's, it's an interesting argument there. Uh, the, the, the bank was also at pains to emphasize that when they look at the labor market, there's still a lot of spare capacity and also that the rise in inflation, like many other places, is expected to be temporary or transitory. So um, overall, uh, it was sort of a, they tried to turn down the guidance mm. that they have put out in the market, uh, but as you say, that you know it was a surprise for 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 the currency and for for domestic and deals. Can they, but can the, they do that? I mean, if they are the only ones, I mean, surely that is going to be pushing the Kiwi dollar even higher, isn't it? As we see more demand, if they are the only ones moving next year. Well, that, that's a great question because um, if anything, that's kind of what the debate we've been having internally within the the FX strategy team. Uh, one one thing we note is that when you look at history. The RBNZ and the RBA, for instance, they, they have always tended to sort of move more or less in line with each other. So it's, it, it would mm. be an unusual to see one of the bank uh, to sort of move and, and for the other one to stay on the other side for, you know, over a year, if not two years. So um, there's a general sense that uh, as much as the RBNZ is, is sort of gearing the market to, you know, f to, to get ready for this, um, there's also probably a, 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 an unwillingness to be the first cab off the rank at the same time. So um, yeah. we will have to see how these dynamics play out. There's still a lot of uncertainty in, in, in the economy uh, and, and in the global economy as well. Um, so um, yes, the, the, that's the sort of cautiousness in terms of the guidance that um, you'll have to see a lot of things and, and, and probably other central banks moving before they are being said that uh, to gain confidence that they will yeah. deliver on, on this guidance. Well, is that going to happen? Because everyone else is sounding pretty dovish, aren't they? I mean, the ECB is a great example of that. Uh, we had another one today. I mean, we've been hearing from quite a few ECB speakers, but uh, overnight, uh, what a great European name, Fabio, Fabio Panetta. Uh, saying that there is no upward trend in inflation that would justify uh, allowing for a reduction in bond purchases, let alone, you know, talking about moving interest rates up. Yes. So the, it, this is an interesting dynamic because he's not the first one I'm making sort of these dovish comments. Uh, we've had the Greek uh, mm. and, the, and the French uh, government council members making similar comments earlier in the week. But certainly his comments have, have had an impact because all of a sudden now he's um, referring to the decision of, of moving the PEP or, you know, the, the purchasing program 
uh, on the basis of inflation rather than on how the economy and how the outlook for, for the COVID or the pandemic is developing. So the PEP, which was an emergency program, uh, was originally sort of defined or created on the basis that it was meant to support the economy uh, uh, get its way out of the pandemic. Um, the, of course, what we've seen, as you mentioned, that you know the, the vaccine rollouts have been very effective and the economic data has been very positive, printing, you know, showing and, and, and showing an increasing activity as the economy looks to reopen. So on, on that basis, you know, the move up in yields um, is justified because the economy is doing better. Um, and yet, uh, you know, mm. we have uh, this ECB speakers now saying, pull, pushing back on this and saying, yes, you know, you know it's all good, but now we haven't seen that inflation component, which is a sort of a new a new argument. Yeah. And of course, what we've seen overnight is we've seen a move lower in core yields in Europe, uh, moved by you know led by the bonds. Uh, and then in the meantime, we've seen a little bit of an uptick in, in U.S. Treasury yields. So, so that dynamic is played to the weakness in the euro uh, and the stabilization, if you like, of, of the U.S. dollar. Yeah, my point on the vaccines, though, was that Europe is still quite a bit slower than the United States and the UK when it comes to to the double doses. So, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of room to move before they, you know, can fully reopen, I guess, uh, and uh, without, you know, any any uh, setbacks, which could still happen, yeah. couldn't they? Well, I suppose just to, to labour the point, to say, if you remember three months ago, Europe was, a com- was in complete disarray in yeah. terms of the vaccine. So, yeah. so the market is pricing that improvement given, uh, you know, the bad point or the, the sort of where they came from where they yeah, came from yeah, exactly yeah. Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin are going to meet uh, although the Kremlin has uh, warned people that they shouldn't get too excited about any potential outcomes from that so it's just a nice cup of tea by the sounds of it uh, but China and US uh, they're talking at the sort of trade representative level both sides could be zooming or whatever they do as early as today because China is keen to want to roll back on tariffs. Well, they're doing a bit of carrot and stick, aren't they? They're sort of threatening if they don't roll back on tariffs, uh, we might stop buying stuff from you. Yes, and to emphasize that uh, overnight, we had this news that China has clamped down on some corn imports, um, mm. which they, they the argument appears to be along the lines of um, that many importers in China have used the sort of these accounts to leverage um, the, themselves. Uh, so it's kind of more from a financial stability point of view. But uh, others would argue that this is sort of the timing of this this clampdown seems to be sort of, again, uh, linked to, to the negotiations. And if you like a reminder to the U.S. of how much agricultural imports uh, that China is at the moment doing, um, you know, of course, helping the farmers in the U.S. So uh, it will have to see how it plays out. But at the moment, our sense is that the U.S., new administration, Biden administration, hasn't really moved significantly from, from the Trump administration in terms of its tensions. And uh, no. um, so so the hopes for sort of a massive positive outcome uh, are, are pretty low. And the the, the rising yuan, is, uh, how long is that going to go on for, do you think? Well, our general sense when it comes to, to yuan uh, is that there is a tendency for, you know, officials in China to allow appreciation or to influence depreciation, uh, but it's a gradual process. Um, and, and, and what we're seeing now is that the economic activity and, and, and arguments from, from the PBOC 
um, that you know actually having a stronger yuan may not be a bad thing. Uh, it plays to the view that mm. you know the, the yuan should strengthen, uh, but we should be mindful that it's always sort of a slow moving beast rather than a quick sort of ten percent uh, appreciation in the space of or a very short period of time. And of course, as we know, uh, you know uh, what's good for the yuan tends to be good for the uh, for the Aussie dollar. So let's uh, let's have a look at uh, what's happening in Australia. So we get private capex for Australia today after a pretty strong construction work number yesterday. Uh, lots of private houses being built or renovated. Uh, less interest in uh, in apartments, though. That, that, that is hardly surprising, is it, given, given the pandemic we've been going through? Yes, uh, as opposed to the surprising bit of how strong it was. So we had a, mm. a pretty decent print of 2.4 for the quarter, um, which is stronger than where the market was at, um, which was around 2%. And then uh, what this means is that, and again, the private sector is the one that goes into the equation for the uh, Q1 GDP number, uh, and it does suggest that the, it will contribute around 0.2 to 0.3% uh, to, to the growth in, in the quarter. Um, at this stage, NABS thinks that uh, we will get a nice print of around 1% for the quarter in terms of GDP numbers, um, so it's good news. Um, and then when you look at the CapEx, uh, numbers for today. Uh, again, we also expect a, a strong increase uh, of around 3%, which is a bit, um, or well, it's definitely punchier or stronger than uh, where the consensus are, which is at 2.1%. Um, importantly, right. as well, we also get those guidance in terms of what um, the uh, forward-looking indicators, if you like, of CapEx expenditure. Uh, so that will also be important. It will give us a guidance in terms of what we expect to happen next year. So we got to remember that, of course, not only in Australia, but around the globe, you know, the economies have been well supported by monetary policy and fiscal spending. Um, but what happens next year will also be very important in terms of where the consumer and the private sector plays a bigger role in terms of supporting growth for the economy. So this guidance around private expenditure or capital, capital expenditure for next year will be good a good guide in terms of what to expect. And uh, durable goods orders for the US tonight for April plus uh, pending home sales and those initial jobless claims as well, which went down quite a bit last time. So uh, I think the expectation is it's going to do the same thing again and then the big question today is are we what are we going to hear about victoria are they going to go into lockdown i mean we could find out today couldn't we yes uh, and i suppose it all will depend on 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 whether we get a big number in terms of new cases um and mm. uh, if that is the case uh, then uh, you know it looks inevitable that some sort of lockdown will be introduced so fingers crossed yeah in the meantime get vaccinated people uh, that's it for today. <laughs> we'll catch you again. Thanks, Rodrigo. Thanks, Phil. Cheers. And that's how things are this Thursday morning. Dave DeGarish joining me tomorrow morning from NAB in London. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you then.